Welcome, Thought Leaders. I'm Beck Sands. I'm Andres Lopez Varela, and you're listening to the Thought Leader Show. If you're an ambitious professional, exec, CEO, or business owner looking to grow your personal brand and become a thought leader, you're in the right place. We'll bring you inspiring chats with people who use their personal brand to create successful careers or businesses and become thought leaders in their field. We'll also talk through some of the practical steps and must-dos that you can action to build your own personal brand. And this is what we're most excited about. You're going to see how being a thought leader gives you the opportunity to help others and support people to realize their goals. A personal brand might sound self-serving, but we're here to show you how it can actually have a positive impact on you, your community, and who knows, maybe even the world. Welcome to the final episode of the Thought Leader Show for season one. We are so excited to be here with you today. We're going to do a little bit of a wrap of the first season and uh, just chat through some of the key highlights and learnings that um, we have found from chatting with our guests, as well as chat through some learnings and just our experience of speaking at State of Social, in case you're an aspiring speaker as well. That's right. Yeah, we've had a lot of great guests this season. We're really happy to talk to people across a whole range of industries and you know different fields and different types of experts and thought leaders uh so we wanted to kind of like wrap up our top five lessons for the season uh with you today so um we're just going to jump right into it to start with beck what was the, the the number one lesson that you think we learned this this season i think the biggest thing for me has been um Basically, that when you're building your profile as a thought leader, that in today's world, we really need to highlight our own uniqueness and individuality. Whereas I think that previously, uh, it was very much about being the corporate spokesperson or, you know, building a profile that uh, showcased the education and teachings behind your message. Whereas yes, yes. now in order to get cut through, I really think that we need to share our uniqueness, share our personalities, share our, uh, you know, what we like, what we don't like, what we stand for, our values, uh, in order to be able to connect with our audience and get cut through. I agree. And I think that that's really come across all the different conversations we've had with um with pretty much everyone this season, you know, like starting early on with Flo Madden and how she kind of built um, freelancing gems aligned with her personality and what was her values to, you know, uh, Suganda Chapman, for example, bringing her lived experience um, into her work in diversity and inclusion. Uh, and even um, with Trevor, you know, our most recent episode, how he talked about... Um, his his journey into thought leadership where that actually Beck, you're right, he started in that more kind of corporate spokesperson y kind of experty kind of space, but over time moved gradually and deliberately into really being uh, a thought leader in and of his own personality and his own values and kind of rubbing that flavor on. And I, I think that was really clear throughout the season. People um were very, very clear that, that was a really important, valuable uh, lesson um, that they learn in, in their journeys too, and it's really valuable for aspiring thought leaders too. So I think lesson number two, or f- out of our kind of top five, I guess, for me, 
was um, the importance of combining different types of platforms and channels and mediums to build your thought leadership, to build your status as kind of a credible expert in a particular field. And I think this was really clear um, from a lot of the guests that we spoke to um, this season, that it wasn't just about one particular place. It wasn't just about smashing LinkedIn. It wasn't just about doing media interviews. It wasn't just about writing blog posts or doing a weekly email. That actually, you know, while you don't need to be everywhere because that's overwhelming and, and Dr. Christy Goodwin told us that, that we don't need to be everywhere online, uh, but certainly um, that it, it's valuable and useful to be in more than one place if you want to build that thought leadership and you want to reach your audience in ways that are, you know, meaningful to them, I think, because at the end of the day, that's what we want to do. We want to serve a community. We want to help them learn and grow and, you know, um, expand their knowledge based on our on our lived experience. And so I think that was really, um, I think a really, a really stark reminder to me to make sure that as thought leaders, we are constantly looking at the right places to reach our audiences and focusing our efforts, uh, focusing our efforts there. Yeah, and I think um, particularly when we're looking at social media and the reach of that, like the organic reach of social media declining uh, and, you know, it used to be so easy to be able to reach your audience and get traction on social media or organically, whereas now it's, you know, it's a lot harder and it's a lot more cluttered, the space. So I think looking at various different channels where your audience is, is so, so key. Um, and that's definitely been a learning, um, yeah, from everyone pretty much that we've spoken with. But also I think another learning, I think the third thing is that really the basics work. So sometimes we yes, can really overcomplicate um, Absolutely. things and really think like, oh, you know, social media, there's no reach or, you know, it's really hard to get media coverage these days because there's no journalists and all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, the, the foundations are really what will move the needle forward uh, when it comes to building your brand as a thought leader because it's all based on, first and foremost, the relationships that you're building um, and secondly, being visible to the right people. And so it doesn't matter if your audience is, you know, a million or if it's a hundred, um, if you've got the right audience in front of you, then that is going to help you to achieve the objectives that you're wanting to achieve by building your brand as a thought leader. And if you're wanting to, you know, create change in the world, which I know that the majority of thought leaders are doing this for, um, because, you know, just having the objective of money is not necessarily enough. So it's like, you know, most of the thought leaders that we've had on the show and most of the ones that I know um, are really doing what they're doing in order to create positive change in the world. And so if you're doing it to create positive change, then it doesn't matter if you've got like a hundred people or a million people, it's really about getting in front of the right audience, in front of the right being people, consistent, yeah. consistent and really just, um, yeah, like showing up with your message. Yeah, I agree. I think that really came through with Carolyn Cummins, um, the property editor at commercial property editor at City Morning Herald, and Greg Stark, who uh, you know is the is the director of um, Better Being. Those guys, you know, to your point, were very clear about both being visible 
in the right places to the right people, but also uh, the value of relationships and how relationships can help you um, not just kind of achieve your own goals, but also help you, you know, progress that agenda to help other people contribute and give back to a community too. I think that was really interesting because, I mean, to be honest, I thought, um, really thought leadership was kind of about finding just, you know, um, an audience, I guess, or a community, right? Where people were engaged with your message and kind of agreed or, or sort of, you know, were really kind of accepting of your values and, and your thoughts. But actually, a lot of these conversations we had this season uh, made me reflect a lot about the importance of relationships in that journey in order to actually kind of get you in front of the right people, get you in front of the, in, in, you know, in the right kind of spaces to communicate that message and actually for your thought leadership to have an impact. And I think that that was really the differentiator when we spoke to people like Greg and Carolyn um, and even uh, Lubitsa as well, sort of that actually the relationships grease the wheels so then you can actually potentially then get in front of the right audiences uh, to communicate your message and kind of deliver that thought leadership a little bit more deliberately. So I think that was that was a really big lesson. Um, and really, for personally for me, like a really big eye-opener too. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, further to the relationship building, I really feel like the personal brand uh, building is a journey. Yeah, So yeah, that's what many really, stops. I think that was the fourth lesson, yeah, that came out is that it's a journey. It will evolve and iterate over time. It's not something that you're going to get, you know, perfect right out of the gate. Um, and also, it's not ever necessarily going to be perfect. It's always going to evolve um, your personal brand, whether you're a thought, whether you sort of, you know, are building your brand as a thought leader or not, your personal brand will evolve over time. The more that you put yourself out there, the more that you speak, um, you know, if you've got a business, if you've got a career, as that evolves, your brand will evolve, your message will evolve. Uh, as you hone and refine your message, just with the more content you put out there, um, and the only really, the only real way to do that is to go on the journey and to really yeah. be visible and to, uh, and, and to just keep putting your message out there. That's really the only way that you mm. can refine it and hone it. Um, yeah. And just to see how it resonates. Yeah. I think that, that, that definitely came through in the conversations with, with Navek, with, um, with, uh, Christy Goodwin, with Trevor Young, um, and John Priest in particular, because those people have had, you know, quote unquote, you know, many careers, if you like, they've, they've done many different jobs, tried different kinds of work, been in businesses, run businesses, been employed, different kinds of sort of, um, you know, steps on that journey, like you say, and to be, and they've all been open to that. And they've all arrived at a place where they feel really comfortable that their personal brand is, you know, like you said, like we said earlier, reflective of who they are truly, but also valuable to people, valuable to a particular audience. You know, I think John Priest was really um, clear in how he sort of has sort of um, converted that 20 years plus experience in commercial property into, uh, into his work and into his thought leadership and personal brand now. But he's also kind of, you know, shed maybe some of those trappings of working in corporate um, uh, teams and, and, you know, big businesses and, you know, sort of be more, become more comfortable and sort of um, having that journey and coming to, to that point now where he combines his personal values and his professional expertise really well. And I think that that's a really yes. good lesson for all of us to remember that um, where you are now is maybe not where you're going to end up, but that's okay. Like just start, just start where you are. If you have 
a particular area that you're, you're an expert in or you're passionate about, that that's something that you should absolutely start to explore and not worry about getting it right or it being perfect. The most important thing, like you said, is to just get on with it. I so agree with that. And I think um, that kind of flows into the fifth lesson, yep. which is to use content across channels and yeah, also like maximize the content you've got. So in the case of John Priest, like you were talking about before, being able to use research content um, that he'd had a research report or a white paper and then fragmented that content um, across social posts for, you know, months and months to come. Yes. Um, so you, yeah. So really like, I guess when it comes to thought leadership, your content uh, ideally should stem from a bigger piece of content uh, and then you're fragmenting down that content um, into social media, but then also interspersed with maybe like some personal stories and yeah, um, and things like that. So like leaving that room for, uh, you know, when inspiration strikes and you want to just share something on social media because it feels yeah. timely and, um, you know, it's it's a topical thing in the moment, but then also having that kind of, like consistent longer term approach by using content, like a bigger piece of content and fragmenting that down. Um, I think also content cycles when like you're thinking about it, uh, you know, for us really like, you know, we've got this podcast, so we'll, um, you, you know, the, the podcast is the bigger piece of content and then we can kind of use snippets of that across the week on social media. Um, and also the same if you're doing, you know, regular videos things yes. like that, then you can yes. kind of fragment that down and use it across the week as well. I think we saw that actually across a lot of the, um, a lot of the interviewees that we had on the show, you know, in particular, I think Dr. Christie is really good at that. Like she's so, so good at that. It's sort of getting a lot of value, a lot of mileage out of the stuff that she puts together. And some of the posts, like you say, some of the content on social media is very, timely and perishable and you know maybe won't be relevant in a week but then some of the stuff that is more evergreen and more sort of seasonal then she does make sure that she kind of trickles that out in a really structured deliberate way trevor does the same trevor's been doing the same for like 20 years since he started his blog um for many many years and and also doing the same with event content i think which is really important too because those event content pieces that we put together as thought leaders they take a lot of time, man. They take a lot of time and effort to put together. And so those things should be like broken up and, and used across the board. And, and I think that, um, you know, we use this approach, um, you know, with um, with my team or with the clients we work with at Storiation called atomization, which is basically you take one big piece of content, it's got multiple angles, multiple stories, multiple, you know, opportunities to kind of, you know, say something about a topic. And then we take the little atoms of that, you know, we take try to take as many as we can, 6, 8, 12, 20, 25, 30, and then we use that and extend that content out because those different stories will be relevant to different sectors of our audience on different channels. And so that approach works really well for big brands, as well for big brands as it does for individual thought leaders, small businesses, anyone really, because there is no you know, maximum volume, I guess, on social media anymore really you know the algorithms are hungry the audiences are hungry um so you know you can post every day twice a day if you want and it's okay but in order to do that without losing your mind or going crazy from all the content you have to create 
you got to take those big rocks like John Priest does, for example, and you got to break them up and sprinkle them out gradually over time. And so I think that, that is a really valuable lesson. And I would say, you know, lesson five, five A, five part, part A is really to make sure that you're, you're making the most of those opportunities. Don't just write one article. Don't just record one podcast or one, you know, reel on Instagram and then be like, okay, well, that's done. I can only use that once. Think about how you can sort of move it around the ecosystem, move it around to different parts of your audience. So I think that's a really, really big lesson and five great lessons, I think, from our guests, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, that that's kind of what I was getting at before with when I was saying fragmentation. <laughs> yeah, atomization yes. is a way better way to say that. Um, that's cool. And and I think um, moving on to state of social, because yes, uh, yes. I wanted to chat through our experience of that. Uh, Tell us which a bit first, Beck, awesome. about what state of social is for, the, for those people playing at home. Yeah, so state of social is an annual uh, marketing conference in Perth. And it's probably one of Australia's biggest. Um, I think Definitely. they get about, yeah, like 800 to 1,000 yeah. attendees over um, over two days. And it's just brilliant. They have a, bro- a broad variety of speakers on all topics covering the marketing landscape. And it's basically for marketers to learn what's happening uh, in the marketplace at the moment, what are the latest cutting-edge trends. Um, and it's also a bit of personal development as well. So, and, and it's great networking. Like, it's just an awesome experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the whole thing was really cool. We're not like <laughs> affiliates or anything, don't worry. But no, um, but I'm a massive advocate <laughs> of state of social. I think yeah. I've been a lot of these things. I've spoken at a lot of these things, and for my money, pound for pound, state of social is the best marketing event in Australia, hands down. The curation of the content is so so good. The combination, like you said, Beck, of stuff that's like about the industry and about the technical skills of marketing, but then also stuff that's, you know, personal development and well-being for marketers too is really, really, you know, um, genius combination. You know, the venue's great, all the attention to detail's great, um, but I actually feel like I always learn so much. I meet, like you said, so many great people there um, and it always makes me think, you know, for that week that I'm in Perth, like, oh yeah, Perth seems like a nice place to live. I could, I could definitely live here. Absolutely. So, um, I think it ticks all the boxes in that way. We were lucky this year, fortunate to speak both to both of us, um, be speaking at that conference on different topics. Um, and I've, I've done that, that conference a few times now. I'm really interested to hear what you thought of the experience of speaking there and, and, you know, sort of what it kind of made you reflect on in terms of your own personal brand and thought leadership? Yeah, well, I was a bit of a last minute speaker because I, I was actually coming to the conference with you anyway. And um, so, uh, and yeah, and then uh, the the event organizer, Meg Coffee, she reached out and said, hey, do you want to speak? And I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, absolutely. So yeah, I don't even know why I didn't think about you know, putting myself forward for it before. But anyway, so we ended up doing it and together and it was just, it was just really, really fun. Like, I mean, you know, apart from the flight delays on either side, thanks Qantas. um, Yeah, they they didn't cover themselves (laughs) in glory. That's for sure. Uh, but you know, the, the whole experience was amazing. Like we, yeah, we got there, um, uh, the night before and we were able to go to the venue and do like a little sound check, um, and just kind of, cause it was an Optus stadium. So it was like a huge venue and I was kind of like, uh, where is it? Like, is it in the, you know, like the stadium bit? Cause that was, I was like, well, on the actual footy pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Like on the footy but pitch. But it wasn't, was like, it wasn't to be clear. <laughs> it wasn't. Um, no. but our faces were up there on the signage. That's, that's right. Cool. Yeah, they were. 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, and so um, I actually literally like was putting my presentation together in the last two weeks, and it was just oh. um, are we all? Of- yeah, but it was like yeah, I guess it was uh, yeah, it was a little bit of like oh okay, this is like probably the biggest audience I've spoken to, but it was it was amazing. Like we did a run through the night before, um, and then which actually the 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 real presentation actually was better than the run through. I find that I am better in. Good in person um, then because I just get bored. Like <laughs> yeah. I lose, I, yeah. lo- like, I, I lose patience doing run throughs. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like there's no one here listening. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, whereas like in person, I think it's just so much more engaging to have people in the room. So yeah, absolutely loved it. It was obviously like, you know, scary getting up there in front of everyone. But I feel like I just stepped into my groove of speaking as soon as I got onto the stage and I was just, yeah, you like, really did. Yeah, it was just really fun. I just really enjoyed it. And it's kind of like if you think about it when you're speaking, it's just if you think like you're speaking with one person, um, you're speaking with one person, then you're speaking with a bunch of people, you know, and you just kind of forget about how many people are in the room and you just, you know, speak as you'd speak to one or five people in a room. Um, And I think like, yeah, just having the experience that, that I've just done, you know, a 10,000 live streams and, um, (laughs) you know, so many client presentations and, you know, I do corporate presentations um, and like, you know, so just, just the experience of just speaking again and again and again and again and again and again um, really set me up so that as soon as I got on stage, it just kind of felt natural to, to get into the groove of it. So yeah, I think for anyone wanting to speak, it's it's really just about practice uh, and and just getting in front of new and bigger audiences every single time, um, and then just remembering like it's about them, it's not about you. So like once you've prepared everything, I kind of scripted it out, and then I just threw away the script only because mm. you know with the time frames, you want to make sure that you're not rambling. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I scripted it out so that I knew that I could do it within 30 minutes because that's all I had. And then I just, yeah, chucked away the script and then just sort of talked to it. And then I just asked for like a 10 minute, um, like, like ti- timer at the 20 minute mark. So obviously that was, you know, a really, um, you know, great moment, you know, a, a red letter day, so to speak. You said it was the biggest audience you've spoken in front of. What did that experience teach you about your own personal brand? I think it really taught me that I have a topic that I really am passionate about speaking about and that uh, I, I, I love to, yeah, get on stage and, and speak with people about it. I think I, I really, you know, am passionate about sharing my message and, yeah, and it just taught me that I should do that more and more. Yeah, great. Fantastic. And that you're ready for that probably too as well, right? Yeah, that I'm ready for that. It gave me, you know, it was kind of um, a bit of the um, kick in the pants. I needed to sort of do more of that type of speaking because <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. really the thing that can fall off the agenda, isn't it? When you're yes. when you're building a business, when you're building a career, it's like, you know, speaking in public, like all of that kind of stuff can really feel like it's, you know, the thing that you just don't have time to do. But most of that is really resistance, um, resistance to it. So you procrastinate on Absolutely. it. Absolutely, um, yeah. But yeah, it, it is also, once you do it, it's the thing that that probably moves the needle forward the most. Like, yeah, so it's, yeah. it's really great. 
And how about you, Andre? So tell me about your experience of State of Social. Uh, you are one of the keynote speakers and the reason why is because you've spoken there before in the past and you were voted um, like one of the best speakers, right? So well, I mean, like I was very fortunate, I think. Like, <laughs> I'd done it to two years um, previously and... Um, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the crowd there is, is great and, um, you know, I was very fortunate to, yeah, to be amongst the the, the favourite speakers of the of the day. Um, so, um, you know, that, that, you know, very kindly Meg, the conference organiser, um, uh, invited me back this time to do a keynote. So uh, that was great because I often don't do keynotes. I normally do, work, I really like doing workshop stuff where people can, we can kind of work through things and they can finish with something practical and walk out of the room and be like, oh shit, I got something great from that, you know? Um, so it was kind of a different vibe for me. And I think that was, for me, sort of a, a step change because um, it kind of gave me the permission, I think, to share a little bit more those thoughts that I had about the industry, about marketing as an industry in general and the state of it and sort of, you know, frankly, you know, the things that I thought we were doing wrong. And I think that it actually kind of helped me clarify um, and crystallize a little bit more uh, where my personal brand or the aspects around my professional work um, that my personal brand can really hone in on. And that's about sort of pushing for a more ethical uh, practice of marketing, pushing for a more kind of mindful, uh, positive approach to marketing um, and kind of encouraging and provoking our industry to really be deliberate in the choices that they make around technology, around inclusion, around, um, you know, um, you know uh, how we use technology as well. Uh, Representation. So I, I think exactly, yeah. exactly, yes. Yeah. So, so I think... I think um, it really crystallized that as an area for me that I'm passionate about. It really kind of, you know, um, uh, filled my cup, so to speak, because I realized, not just because of the actual presentation um, and talk that I gave, which was pretty fiery, to be honest, and certainly the fieriest thing that I've ever done, but the conversations that I had during those two days and after, and I'm still getting an email and on social media comments from people who said, wow, that was really eye-opening. You know, I'm really found that very engaging. I think, you know, you really, you really articulated some things really well. Uh, and that was just really gratifying and humbling, I think, to receive that kind of feedback. So it gave me confidence that I was on the right track, if you like, with that experience. Um, and I think uh, it made me realize that that is where my thought leadership is kind of going to evolve to. Like we said, it's a journey, right? And that's kind of the next, the next level, I think, for me. Yes, and sometimes you you figure it out in the middle of when you're speaking, or Absolutely. like you know, it's I think like yeah, when I figured it out like at lunchtime on day two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then you're like, hang on, yeah, this is where I want to go. Like this yeah. is, and and often because it's like putting it out there, testing it, and getting the response, um, and then it. you kind of go, oh, this has been really well received, or like something else might not be so well received, and so you kind yes. of know which direction you're going. Yes, so, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I love it. So, people, put yourself out there. We want to see your work out in the world. We do. Thank you so much for listening to season one of the Thought Leader Show. We will be back soon. Um, we're going to uh, record a whole bunch of episodes That's and it. then we're gonna bank them up. Have them lined up because um, that was our mistake for season one. <laughs> It was, a, it was a big um, challenge. But anyone who started a podcast yeah. knows that's the that's the biggest challenge. So thank you for bearing with us. And thank you for your support. Thanks for all everyone who sent us messages of encouragement and said, oh, thanks for that episode. It was really interesting. It was really insightful. We hope to hear more from you. Feel free to hit us up on, um, on social media, uh, Thought Leaders. Um, stay in touch. And we look forward to season two of the Thought Leader Show. 
Thank you so much, guys. We'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Thought Leader Show. If you enjoyed this chat, we'd love you to share the episode with someone you think might want to hear it and leave us a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. For more information about my work, visit becksands.com and connect with me on socials. And you can connect with me on Instagram or LinkedIn. See you next time, Thought Leaders. my train of thought I had it before (laughs) I had it before and then you kept talking for about five minutes and I was like um I don't know yeah well Nick that's the outtake mate just cut that bit out (laughs) that's not the outtake that's not the outtake outtake. (laughs) no it's not (laughs) that is not the outtake